medicinal purposes only. Comes with instructions. If I pass out, unscrew the top and pour on me. Okay, just don't forget. I love that that song. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. Uh, yeah, I really love the words. Um, beautiful words. We're going to start at the end of the Bible this morning with the final words and the final words belong to Jesus and he kind of confirms a promise that he's made right through the Bible and he does it several times in that last chapter he says yes I'm coming soon yes I will return and the Bible tells us when Jesus returns he'll take us home all that believe in him all that have accepted him all that trust him trust his promises, trust his love, all will be saved. And I know this. I've been brought up in an Adventist family. I've heard it since I was a child. And yet there's still a part of me that has trouble accepting it. Will Jesus really do that for me? For me? I know who I am. I don't deserve it and I certainly haven't earned it. You see, in this life, we learn very quickly. You only get what you earn. That's the way it is. Success, achievement, you work for it, you earn it, you deserve it. Remember at school, You've got to learn to listen, to study. You have to learn to reason, to apply yourself. You work hard, you get the results you want, you go get a job, maybe your dream job. The harder you work, the further you go. The bigger the salary, success comes from hard work. Marriage, happiness is not just happen. You have to work to have a happy marriage. Family, so many new challenges. For success, for lasting peace, you've got to balance a budget. You've got to discipline your children. You've got to listen to your wife. You've got to find a balance between family and work. Find time where there just doesn't seem to be any. And so it goes on and on. But now you've arrived. Now you're living the dream. I hate that guy that said it was scary. I hate that ad on TV as well. You're comfortable. You're secure. You've worked hard. You've earned it. You deserve it. You did it. And then you come along to refresh. Or you open your Bible. And the Bible tells you that the greatest prize of all is salvation eternal life through Jesus Christ and you can't earn it it's a gift you can't earn it all you can do is accept it I don't know about you but to our secular minds it just doesn't compute it's hard to accept I want to do something to earn it 
I want to think that I deserve it. You see, it goes against everything that life has taught. Yet in his Bible, God basically states, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is the way I want things to be. And this can be your future. I love you. I died for you. And I want you back in my family forever. And then for all of us, God has some questions. Do you believe me? Do you trust me? Will you accept my offer? Do you trust my love? Salvation, eternal life, free gifts from a loving God. You can't earn them. You will never deserve them. You can only accept them. Do you believe him? Do you trust him? Are you willing to let Jesus overturn your secular mind, turn it inside out? Are you willing to admit that you need him? Are you willing to admit that it is only through Jesus that the greatest gift of all, the greatest prize of all, can be yours? Free, undeserved, a gift of love. The story we're about to share shows the word of God can be trusted. For the word was given flesh, we know that the word became and was trusted. And this story shows that it is only the power of Jesus' love that can save us and change us forever. Now, if there are any scholars here, and there's not one up here, I can tell you that, this story has, has been put together from different parts of the Bible. Scholars disagree, maybe it's from one person, maybe it's several different people. Personally, I don't care what happened. Mary sat <coughs> alone in her room and she thought back about her life. She thought about her family, the security, the laughter. She thought about once feeling she belonged and she couldn't help it the tears welled up and they ran down her cheeks where did it all go oh she wished she could turn back the clock start again but Mary knew that that was impossible and she was trapped the situation Maybe, Mary thought, maybe, maybe there's one answer, a way out, an exit. No one listens. No one cares. She was sick. She's over. Finished. No one cares. Oh, Mary shook her head and said, no. No, come on, Lord, come on. That just can't be right. Get up. Go for a walk. Clear your head. Think of something, anything. 
surely there is hope. Surely he knows. So Mary rose, she got up, she left the room. And as she got outside, she brightened a little and she thought of her hometown of Bethany. Now Bethany is just a little village about five k from Jerusalem. And Mary had lived there once with her sister, Martha, and her brother, Lazarus. Now Lazarus was the breadwinner. Martha was the practical one. If they had to put something on or do something, Martha was the one that organised it. Mary, not so much. She was the youngest one, a bit of a dreamer, loved the social thing, social scene, loved the company of people. And then there was Simon, the Pharisee, Uncle Simon, perhaps. Now, as a Pharisee, he was a, a church leader, religious leader, well respected. And by tradition, he was expected to look after his young relative. And there's something else you need to know about Mary. She was simply stunning. On a scale of 1 to 10, easy and 11. I picture her beautiful dark flowing hair, sparkling eyes, tall and slender. And you'd have to be blind to not see that Mary had grown to become a gorgeous young lady. Now, Uncle Simon was a lot of things. Blind was not one of them. And as he watched Mary grow from child to young woman, thoughts began to develop in Simon's mind, thoughts that he really should have just pushed away, thoughts that he failed to control, thoughts that one day became action. And Simon forced himself on his young niece. Simon knew that Mary would never talk. No one would believe her. She was just a young girl with a vivid imagination and Simon, well, Simon was a Pharisee. He was a church leader. Who are they going to believe? She'd just be laughed at, ridiculed. Now Mary wouldn't talk. She was trapped, trapped in a physical relationship with a man she now hated and feared. She tried to bring it up with a sister or with a brother, but every time she just felt rotten, she felt filthy, she felt she just couldn't do it. And any time Mary objected, Simon threatened that would public expose her. I'll just tell him that you tried to lure me into a sinful act in those days such actions could lead to death yeah Mary was trapped now on the outside she learned to hide it the smile was there the beauty was there but if anyone closely looked if they cared to they would see in her eyes not a sparkle but dull they reflected her inner feelings of despair of guilt inside this young girl but obviously it just doesn't matter that much no one cares not even God maybe I am there 
maybe I should be kind. And so marriage aside, <coughs> he would punish us all by accepting other men. Just about any man. And in some deluded way in her mind, she figured that this was the way to resent word soon got out if you want a good time be married little town laughed about it they called her name she's nothing but a whore every step she takes is like an invitation she's a slut they called her name keep your boys away from her she's no good in fact they did everything everything they could they condemned her they judged her The one thing that didn't work. The situation became so bad in Bethany. Her family, well, even they just just couldn't understand. They were at their wit's end. She had no friends. Mary felt like an outcast. She had to do something. So she packed her meagre belongings. travelled down the road through the hills to a village by the sea a village that was called Bethsaida she became known <coughs> as Mary of Magdala or Mary Magdalene upon arriving in this new place Mary thought great I'm making a new start. I've made a break. Now, what do I need to do? She had a little money put aside. She felt stronger, more in control. I can do this. I need money. I need a job. Where to begin? So Mary starts searching. She tries the fast food places. She tries the small shops. The corner stores. okay all right the next day she tries the supermarket she tries the factory she tries anywhere that she can think of still nothing mary searched for days and there were just no jobs for her in Bethsaida. and she was deeply discouraged she just couldn't believe it here i've made a break a new life and I can't even get off first base. I can't find a job. No one wants me. God doesn't care. Nobody cares. She just felt forgotten. But there was someone who had noticed Mary. He had noticed this beautiful stranger. And he had noticed her going from shop to shop, from place to place. And he figured out her predicament. Sly and cunning as a fox, he thought. I'll just wait. I'll give her a few more days. I'll just wait until she's real hungry. Until she's real Now Mary's money had run out. All thoughts of a new life, they'd gone. All she was thinking about, 
all her focus was on Ishkabai. She searched and gabbed and she begged strangers to hand her until one day she saw that smile again. Startled, Mary turned and looked into the eyes of a greedy, sly, cunning old person. I see you're in need of help. She knew what he was offering. She knew that the only asset she had, her body, she was going to sell. And why not? She thought, I've been in that lifestyle before. I can't break free. I've tried, but I can't. At least this time, I'll be in control. So Mary meant, went with her new mentor and he bought her clothes and gave her a meal. Got her a place to live and to work. And Mary began her new life. And there were plenty of men willing to pay her price. And she could now afford things that she'd never been able to afford before. However, once again, guilt came back but this time it was much sharper much sharper than it had ever been before sleep became difficult and she longed for peace to feel at least at peace with herself if only I had a friend a friend who could just be interested in me someone who would just care about me seemed that everyone she ever knew had either used her, abused her, or dismissed her. Mary longed for solitude. She understood. And there she dreamed. So we return now to where we started in her story. Mary, alone in a flat, feeling lonely, desperate and bored. I want, I just, I want something so much, I can't cope with this. I'd be better off dead. Then I'd be free. No, no Mary, you, you can't think like that. Just get up, go for a walk, clear your head. So Mary gets up. She walks slowly, dejectedly through the streets of Newcastle. And without realising it, she finds herself on the edge of a crowd. What's this all about, she wonders, standing up on tiptoe, she peers over the shoulders and sees what there's a commotion about. This is strange. Stranger in the tender town. She 
nudges the guy next to her. What's this all about? What's this fellow's name? Jesus. Well, the guy says, he's from Nazareth. Nazareth got more of a name tag than that. Some say he performed miracles. Well, okay. That's got more. That piqued your interest. You might just stop and listen to what he's got to say. It turned out to be the best decision in all of life. <coughs> you see, she heard the words from Jesus. And she just stood there listening. She heard words that she'd never heard before. And Jesus touched her. And there was life. Is there anyone feeling weary of life? Anyone burdened by trouble? You don't need to carry it alone. Come to me. I will never leave you. Is there anyone who needs life this morning? Would you come? You see, I didn't come to deal with the right people. I'm here to deal with the people who feel lost, who feel in need. Come to me. I'll never leave you. And there she was gone. She couldn't believe what she was hearing. It seemed that every word that this man spoke was for her, just for her. Acceptance. Peace. Badly wanted to speak to him. So she waited until the crowd dispersed. She wanted to meet Jesus, but she was hesitant. Well, can I really trust him? Or were they but silly, meaningless words? Now let's just hold this thought for just a moment. Do you realise how weird this situation is? Who was the most powerful man on earth at that time? I guess one of the Caesars. I don't know which one it was. They were all emperors. What were Mary's chances of an audience with Caesar? I'm not feeling well. Can I sit here today? I don't think so. Let's send Mary. What about us? What about what about we want to go and see Queen Elizabeth? So we send a note and say, we're coming. We look forward to seeing you. We get on a plane, we fly to London, arrive at the palace. What is all those guards doing with you? There's a big stir about their stub on their head. Anyway, we go up to the gate. There's one of them there. We're here to see Her Majesty. Hmm. We don't have an invitation. Well, we, we thought she'd like to see us. Hmm. We'll come back at any. No. How about Prince William? No. Prince Harry? No. Corgi? 
who royalty does not bother with neighbor. Kings, emperors do not bother with nobody. But here is Mary in the presence of Jesus. Not just of Nazareth, not just a carpenter's son, not just a travelling preacher, no. No, no, no. This Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the one who one day this entire universe, including the devil himself, will bow and they will say and they will admit that this Jesus is Lord. How does the master of the universe react when a broken, lost, self-confessed, worthless boy approaches him? There's only one way for Jesus to love your today. He cares as only a loving Saviour can. He will receive you, his family, in exactly the same way. The first time you go to him, there is a mirror. Never doubt it. Above all else, Jesus. So picture the scene. A dusty street in the middle of town. Mary prostitute, hopeless, lost and alone. Everyone knew about Mary and Jesus. Even Mary had no idea of Jesus. So Jesus sees Mary and he notices that she's hanging back, looking nervous. And so he goes over to her. Come, sit with me, sit next to me here. Here she says, daughter, that's right. Mary sits and she stares at the ground and standing there and her name's Mary and she knew meaning those words, those words of respect. Do you mean and do they Mary looks up into the eyes of Jesus for the very first time and she sees no words. She sees no judgment, no hidden agenda. She sees a man who seems to care for her deeply. And she begins to tell a story. And once she begins, it just pours out. All the hurt, the guilt, a desperate plea to be free, a plea for help. Mary holds nothing back. She tells Jesus everything. She lets him know. Can you see them there in the story? Can you put yourself in Mary's place? 
Mary comes around you. You see, when I feel in need, I go to my Father. We can go to him now if you like. Together. Gently, Jesus kneels to Mary's knee. And Jesus takes Mary to where he always went in times of stress, and there were many of those times in his life, to the Father. Father, please fill your daughter with love. Let her know she is loved. She is precious. Let her rest in your joy. Bring her peace. Let her feel your power, the power to break away, power to realise how valuable she really is. And Mary felt that power. She felt something in this gift. And for the first time, hope blossomed. She recognised in Jesus as someone that she could trust, someone who cared for her. And she felt power of his love reach out and right there Mary felt she would leave her old life behind I'd like to be able to say that this is the end of the story it'd be a great fairy story but it wouldn't be the truth it didn't look quite happen see what happened Jesus left town Mary didn't when Mary found she still had the same needs she met the same faces she heard the same voices calling her and Mary fell and Jesus wasn't there to help her and Mary fell yes Jesus had accepted her and Mary had accepted him she believed him, she trusted him, but the downward pull was still so strong. Too strong. Too strong for Mary to resist any longer. So Jesus left. And when it happened, Jesus came back to town. The crowds gathered, and Mary found herself once again on the outside of that crowd, waiting, wondering, Single words again, come to me, I will never drive you away. Once more, Mary goes to Jesus and she sobs out her needs to him. And once more, Jesus welcomes her, accepts her. And once more, Jesus prays for her. And once more, Mary feels his love. Once more, Jesus left town. Mary fell again and again and again. Yet whenever Jesus came back to town and found Mary waiting, Jesus always accepted her, always prayed with her, always met her needs. Mary was drawn back again and again by the one who said, come to me. Never once, not once did Jesus go back 
always expected of us in passion. We understand his forgiveness the ridiculous bit of grace. Now many of the religious leaders in Israel they hated Jesus. They chose to distrust his claim that he was the Messiah. They were scared of his popularity. They'd heard him say some things that they just they just didn't like. And they were always trying to stop him. And also Jesus had called these fellows vain, pompous men that they were. He called them out. He said, you portray a pious exterior on the outside, but inside you're rotten. You're full of dead men's bones. You're vipers, you're snakes, you're blind guides, and you're doing nothing but leading my people to destruction. Words not designed to win popularity. But Jesus fed them so that these fellows knew that Jesus knew exactly who they were and what they were about. And they wanted rid of him. Now word had reached them concerning the relationship that had existed between Mary and Jesus. A prostitute and Jesus. <laughs> what a gift. Perfect. So they lure Mary to Jerusalem. Large sums of money are on, on offer and the flat was provided as part of the deal. Mary falls to the trap. You see, according to the law, and they kind of twisted this a little bit, but according to the law, a woman caught in adultery could be put to death by stoning. Would Jesus uphold the law? Or would he let this woman go ungratefully? Either way, they hated him. So they wait until Jesus is surrounded by a crowd. Then breaking into the flat, they seize Mary, denounce her as a sinner who deserved to die. The male accomplice is allowed to just disappear into the night because it was Mary that they wanted. So they drag her through the streets. Mary is confused and scared and she's only half-dressed and she's trying to cover herself. And then they roll up to where Jesus is and the crowd that surround him parts as the jeering, shouting mob arrives. And they grab Mary and they hold her up face to face with Jesus. They want to make sure that he knows who this woman is. And shaking her like a rag doll, they say, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. Look at her. Law says... She's got to die. What? What do you say? Triumphantly, they let Mary go and she crumples in a heap at their feet. Humiliated, trembling. She knows the law. She knows she's guilty. And this is it. They just lay on the ground, covering their faces, waiting mob shouting stoner stoner and they look 
to see where Jesus is. They're revving up the crowd and they look to see where Jesus is and where, hang on, where's he gone? He's down there. And they look down and he's rotting in the dust on the ground. What's he doing? We don't know what he wrote. We can guess, but we don't know. But it certainly had the desired effect. Because standing to his feet, Jesus said to this, this crowd in a voice that just carried deeply, Paul Kane. Okay, which one of you has never sinned? Come forward. You can cast the first stone. And then Jesus stoops again and began writing. Well, a few of the senior men come forward. She's still huddling on the ground. She's got no idea what's happening. She has a hunch about what's happening. Then she hears his voice. Don't fear. I'm with you. Mary. Mary. Open your eyes. Look around. Where are your accusers? Do you see anyone condemning you? And Mary opens her eyes, looks around, says, I see no one. And she answers in astonishment, not one. No one. And Mary, neither do I, she replies. But I want you, I need you to leave this life. It's the Spirit. These words really sink in. No condemnation. Still, I accept you. Still, I want you. And I want you to come. Oh, she said, I, I, I want to, I want to, I do, but I want to leave it all behind and I've tried. I just, yes, but when you leave, I don't have the strength. I just don't, I can't, I just can't do it on my own. I need you. Jesus longs to hear those words. In a voice full of quiet intensity, Jesus looks deeply into Mary's eyes. Do you trust me? Mary, do you trust me? Then go to my father and say, please, ask him to provide the strength and courage you need to tear away from this old life. Go to him every day, every minute if you have to. He will never stand in your way and trust me on this. Trust me, this is important. My Father will provide the power to bring me joy. Doesn't matter how, by faith, I will be with you always. Together we can do this.
call you family. You belong. You are adored. You're blessed. became one of Jesus' most devoted followers. And she chose to return to her family in Bethany, a little concerned on how she would be welcomed. Uncle Simon was no longer a problem, not a problem. But there was no reason for her to worry because her brother and her sister, they were overjoyed to have her back. And they couldn't help but see the, the change that had come over her. The, the, her eyes sparkled with vitality again. No longer a wildfire. And Mary never tired of telling people about her new family. Her faith was refreshed. And Mary's body She suffered the shock of her brother's death followed closely by a celebration when Jesus arrived and raised him back to life. She followed Jesus and she loved to go and hear him. Whenever he was around, she loved to go and sit at his feet and listen to him talk. And then she heard that Jesus was arrested and she followed. And there he was, walking through the streets, carrying his cross, sobbed as she tore his back, bloody and torn, almost stripped to a bone by the cruel flogging that he had endured. She saw Jesus stumble, almost faint, but still keeping coming, and still witnessed to a deep sorrow, the sight of nails being driven through Jesus as they fixed him to a cross. And to her horror, Mary witnessed his agony. She wept and she wept as she heard him Mary was the first to his tomb. They found it empty. Where have they taken him? They ran off to tell John and Peter. And they couldn't believe it, so they came to look for themselves. And then Mary, a little later, returned back to the tomb, maybe to check out what they'd dreamed. And there she stood, in confusion. Weeping, where have they taken the body of my Lord? Then a voice behind her answered. She fell on her knees and cried out.
I find Mary to be one of the most inspiring characters, most inspiring people in the Bible. Because I can see clearly that if Mary can belong to God's family, then so can I. That promise is surely open to all of us. And she inspires me to keep on walking with Jesus, even when I feel I'm not good enough. She inspires me to keep holding on to God's love, even when life gets tough, when life sucks, when it hurts. And she inspires me to go back to Jesus again and again and again because I know that he will never turn me away. Mary's story reminds me that it is Jesus who saves. It is Jesus who gives. We just have to accept. We must admit our need of him. We open our life to his power. And we must never doubt the power of his love. So where is Mary today? Her body lies in a simple grave. Somewhere in Israel. Is Jesus biting? No. For one day, this same Jesus Not as a travelling preacher. But he will return with all the glory and all the majesty as he or she really is. King of kings. The Lord of lords. And at his word, graves all over this world will break open. And all those who have entrusted their life to him will rise drawn up through the air by his power, drawn up to be with their saviour. Sounds a little fantastic, doesn't it? Not if it's true. Mary believed him. She knew he had conquered death. She had seen her saviour die on a cross. And then a few days later, she'd seen him alive again. She knew that he had conquered death. And she believed him. On that day, we will see Jesus. We will join with Mary. And together, we will be with our Saviour forever. Don't doubt it. Is that an arrogant claim to make? Well, if I had to earn it, it would be. If I deserved it, it would be. But it is not. Rather, this is what God wants us to believe based on Jesus' promises, based on Jesus' words. It is a given based on our trust in the power of Jesus Christ. Now we live with God and Jesus himself is with us forever. We are his people and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. We will never again face death or mourning or crying or pain. For that old order of things, what we live with today, that will be gone. And it is gone.
that through your people. Jesus said to Mary, and he says it to you and I, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we can say in confidence, the Lord is my helper. I am not afraid. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we accept your offer. Help us to never stop trusting in you. And like Mary, we entrust our lives to you. You love us, you died for us, you care for us today, and one day soon you're coming back to take us home. We long for that day. We thank you.